Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we have one of the WNBA MVP candidates joining the show, a two-time All-Star. She's a dominant force on both ends of the floor, and her team is near the top of the standings. She's Jonquil Jones of the Connecticut Sun, and she's coming up. Darlene, let's run it! Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. So this is a super special episode of Buckets, Boards and Blocks because we have an MVP caliber candidate joining us this week. Jonquil Jones of the Connecticut Sun. You may know her as JJ. JJ, thanks for the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, so this is super dope for me because I remember when you got to Riverdale, which you write mm-hmm. so eloquently about in your recent piece for the Players' Tribune. I know yeah. Diane Richardson well and then followed you at Clemson and then particularly at GW. And now, girl, you are absolutely flourishing. Like, I felt you on the tears as you were watching the bulletin board in Vegas or the billboard, excuse me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so before we jump into all of that, though, you are very proud of your Bahamian heritage. The island, obviously, yeah. dealing with Dorian right now. So we want to make mm-hmm. sure that we take a second just to wish those folks well, a speedy recovery. Um, are there any mm-hmm. projects or anything that you're involved in that folks should know about in the relief efforts? Yeah, most definitely. So we're actually in the process, as we speak, um, getting a GoFundMe page up. Um, we haven't decided yet which organizations uh, will get the funds, but we do have a page so that people can uh, start to give because a lot of people have been reaching out and they've been trying to, you know, just figure out ways to donate and help people out. So um, the page is, is, is going up right now as soon as it's finished um, and it's live. We'll, you know, we'll post about it. I'll post about it on my Instagram account and, you know, the Connecticut Sun will and a few other people. So um, once that's up, um, we'll basically get that out there and try to make sure we're being proactive and helping the people out in the Bahamas. Man, it's crazy. You wrote in that Players' Tribune piece, though, that hurricanes are sort of a way of life in that area, and until Mm -hmm. Gene was the one that kind of stood by you. Mm -hmm. How, like, what is that process even like, JJ? I mean, how do you go through that? Well, you know, what's crazy is as kids, like, we didn't really, you know, because we're not the ones buying stuff, we're not the ones, you know, our parents do all of that stuff, so we used to always kind of, like, not really like it, but We'd be like, oh, we don't have school because the hurricane is coming, you know? So we we can stay at the house and play games and different stuff like that. So um, for me as a little kid, I hadn't, until I got to a certain age, I hadn't really experienced a, like a super bad one that like just messed everything up. And so for us, it was kind of like, oh, we're just going to basically spend time with our family and just stay inside until the hurricane passes. But it's not until you you have those hurricanes that like just damage 
everything and you come back home to, you know, to your house and you see your roof peeled off and like I said, fish swimming in your house and your clothes are like all over the, the yard and they're wet and dirty and like dresses and drawers are turned over and stuff like that. Like that experience definitely uh, makes a difference. So, um, like I think once you get, once you, yeah, once you experience that, it's just, you know, you kind of look at it way differently, but for the most part, the preparations are, you know, make sure you have food, make sure you have water, make sure you have your phones and electronics charged and stuff like that. Cause you don't know like if power lines and stuff go down, how long it'll be before you're able to contact people and reach out. So, um, Right now, that's what we're facing um, in the Bahamas with a lot of the power lines and stuff being down. I haven't talked to my uh, my mother and my dad, my sister, who are on the island of Abaco, which got hit first. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to them since 11 last night. So uh, right now, I'm just kind of waiting to hear from them. Um, and then uh, my most of my family on Grand Bahama, where the storm is actually sitting now, um, they've been contacting and some of them had to move to different locations because of the flooding and stuff like that. But most of them, for the most part, are are good. So, um, just keeping keeping them in my prayers right now, um, you know, and just trying to be as proactive as we can be or as I can be with the with the GoFundMe. Yeah, man, that's crazy. We definitely are adding our prayers and our thoughts and our well wishes as well, JJ. But I mean, it actually brings me to sort of my next point, which I didn't plan and plan on getting into, but I think where we are in today's climate of athletes really grasping, taking hold of, and being proud of all that makes them who they are and discussing their mental Mm -hmm. wellness. How are you dealing with all of this in the midst of a championship run, essentially, for the Sun? I mean, this is your family. This is your home. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess behind closed doors, I'm just, you know, really just, it's tough. Um, I try to, when I, you know, when I go to work, you know, my job, I try to be professional you know, make sure I handle my business. And then I use that time as just a, as a, as a, you know, rela- not relaxation, but a way to get my mind off of it. Right. Um, and so, you know, I just try to focus on practice and focus on the games and stuff like that. But it's been nerve wracking. I think uh, yesterday I really had to just force myself to eat. Cause I, I realized like I hadn't really eaten anything all day. I hadn't like drank any water or anything like that. So I started to feel really sick. But I didn't realize that I was worrying so much about them that I wasn't really checking for myself, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's been tough, but um, the good thing about basketball is you can use it as an outlet. And that's what I plan on doing in tomorrow's game is just using it as an outlet and letting whatever emotions I feel just kind of come forth as I play. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. And I, that's how I've kind of been handling it. But, but definitely when I get home, it's been tough. Like, it's just, you know, you don't know what's happening. And then the storm has been so bad. It's been areas that... We've never seen flooded um, in in the Bahamas um, that we would consider safe spots to go to in the storm. Um, they've been just kind of, you know, they, they're not areas that are safe right now. So it's just been really tough to see uh, the streets that I used to walk and drive and just be around just completely underwater. So, Ooh. yeah, it's been tough. Girl. Okay, well, I'm, I appreciate you being so candid and honest with that, but let, let's go to the lighter and <laughs> let's give back on yeah. basketball for the sake of this conversation. Um, you, you mentioned the upcoming game. You guys are battling right now for one of those top two seeds as you head to the playoffs. What is mm-hmm. working so well for this Sun team? I mean, when I had a chance to see y'all, you just look so light, like clear eyes, clear heart, can't lose. And I just seem to be clicking <laughs> on all cylinders. Yeah, um, I think that's just the way we play. Uh, when you have just so many threats on the court, it's really, really hard. Like, I think in our last few games, like, I haven't been playing my best, but 
just look at the way Courtney Williams has played. Look at the way Alyssa has played. Like, I think for me, it makes me happy to see that. And I'm I'm always happy when we play that good team basketball where the ball is moving around and everybody t- everybody's touching it because it just allows us to be that much harder to beat. So I think we're I think we're playing our best basketball as a team going into the playoffs and. Um, it feels good because I feel like last year around this time it was it was the opposite. Like we had played good basketball, and then we kind of had, like had to drop off, and then we started playing good again. So it didn't feel as comfortable, or I don't know. Like I guess we had a little bit of doubt in ourselves a little bit, but now it's just you know we know what we have to do. Just so we're clear, we're recording this pod on Tuesday. The Sun and JJ will face off against the Wings on Wednesday. The Dallas Wings, that is. Um, mm-hmm. So. I love how you talk about everybody just playing their best basketball. But in a way, you guys have maybe not been here before in terms of this record, but you guys have touched the playoffs a few different times, and it doesn't mm-hmm. quite pan out. How is this year different? Yeah. Well, this year is different because I know you said not because of the record, but the record does make a difference. It allows us, if we if we win the game tomorrow, we get at least one win in our next, what, three? Yep. We're definitely guaranteed a, a top two spot. So. Um, we're approaching tomorrow, like, you know, that's the game to, to guarantee. We don't want to wait till we get down to the last game to try to be closing something out. And, you know, just we control our destiny at this point. Yeah. So um, for us, I think that's a big deal because we have been in situations where we were bit, we were in that uh, that single game elimination and it does not feel good to play an entire season and get to the playoffs and be done after one game. So for us, I think it makes a big difference, but it also um, – I think it gives us a sense of a sense of urgency in a way too to understand that we have to be really focused because um what we have going on right now could be lost really quickly if we go into these games and don't have that type of focus in order to just, you know, to clinch the second place at least. Yeah, for sure. Personally though, JJ, I mean, gir- like I can't even call this a breakout year for you. I mean, I can, but like you're coming off most improved. So people knew that you right. had an abundance of talent and it was just about taking it to the next level. I mean, right. what has it been for you? Has it been your experience in Korea that really sort of unlocked it all for you? Like what's going on with you? Well, I'd say my experience in Korea was, was the first all-star. Like my first all-star appearance, I think that, that was all my experience in Korea. Um, I think my experience in Russia this year has come through a lot because I was able to like, I had some issues with, you know, getting on the court with the passport thing and getting cleared by FIBA and all that stuff. So I was in Russia and I basically was practicing and lifting and running and doing everything that everybody else was doing, but I wasn't really playing in the games. And so because of that, it just, it was like, I I basically got a rest, but I was, I was also improving myself as well. So I think that allowed me to really come back with a lot of players who were more fatigued and stuff from playing overseas. I had more like the fresher legs and, you know, I was ready to go. Um, and then just the people who I was playing against every day in practice, obviously Emma Meeseman was on our team, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, um, who else? Brittany Griner. We had so many people, you know, and then all of the great people overseas, like Albatorans and all of those who've just been great on their national teams and just awesome in EuroLeague and all of that stuff too. So, um, we had a lot of dogs over there and oh, Maria Badivo plays for LA. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of people to go up against. You had to bring your best game every day. So, I think it shaped me for sure. Did you know though? Like, were you like, <laughs> yo, like when I get back, like this is, I can feel it. Like, did you feel yourself improving exponentially that you would be in a conversation for the MVP race on the 2019 WNBA season? I think I was. I think I felt myself improving, but I didn't know it would be like that. You know, I think I just wanted to play my best basketball. And I think I also had a lot of, like, pent-up energy, too, because I hadn't been playing. So I was like, man, when I get back on the court, it's on and popping, you know? So that's how I kind of felt coming into the season. Like, man, 
I'd have been doing all of this work and it's not going to be for nothing, you know? Girl, for sure. All right, so I got to ask you this. And you can absolutely plead the fifth. The podcast space is safe. I don't want to put you in a bind, but I'm going to ask anyway. Brittany Griner was your teammate in Russia. I know that she's a friend of yours. Christina uh-huh. Nigue was also your teammate in the Sun before she was traded. Uh-huh. There was a tete-a-tete that has been well-documented, and there were some Most suspensions definitely. handing out. What's the deal, JJ? Because I had so many people hit me like, oh, girl, shouldn't have been messing with BG if she's going to sprint down the floor like that when it all went down. Yeah. So, but in the same <laughs> breath, I'm like, you can be tough and be a pest and not realize that you're about to piss off another MVP caliber caliber type player to that degree. But I do, mm-hmm. I have heard Kurt Miller give Inigwe praise for being so tough and not being scared and not being a rookie. I don't think anybody saw it escalating the way they did. Well, I think, I mean, me and Christina have, have had our issues too, like in practice a few times from some of the stuff that she's done. Like, I, you know, I've talked to her and been like, okay, that's the type of stuff that you say for opponents. You don't do that in practice. Um, but, I don't know. I think it's the way that Christine plays. And I think I, I didn't watch the game like from the first quarter. So I didn't see what else led to that moment because I've seen BG handle a lot of stuff, especially just watching her play overseas where, you know, she'll let some stuff go. She'll, you know, raise her intensity if she's upset, but it takes a lot to kind of get her to that level. So um, just knowing her as a person, I would say it wasn't just that hit that set her off that got her to go, you know, to be in the, to be where she was and to kind of chase after Christine. Um, but I also know Christine as a person and I know she's just, she, that's just the way she plays. She's just like a, like a wilder type of player. And so, because I know her, if I was playing against her, I wouldn't take it personally, but BG doesn't know her. So it's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I got it. Like I understand Christine's point of view and I also understand why BG got as upset as she did. So, um, I don't know, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm in the gray because I know both of them. No, and, and that's sort of why I asked you. Because for me, watching it, and when I called you guys' game against against Phoenix, like, they got attacked mm-hmm. in that one. And that wasn't the first time that they had, you know, been tangled up and also gotten attacked. But I, I mm-hmm. get that competitive thing, right? Okay, well, if I get you teed up, then you out. But I also right. understand, like, when BG went off afterward in terms of the way the game is officiated, particularly when it comes to you – never been that big Mm -hmm. or played that position so i can't say but i thought she was very cool calm and collected and made some legit points would you agree what were her points i didn't see it she said basically she said that if the league doesn't do a better job of officiating if it's a if it's a foul it's a foul whether she did it or whether someone did it to her was her thing she's like i can't Mm -hmm. touch a player and it's a foul against me but because i'm bigger than someone when they touch me it's not an issue Right. That was basically yeah. her thing was basically consistency across the board. But again, like exactly. I don't know what it's like to be what is she, six eight? Yep. Do you Yeah, I think I think I know I think they've been struggling to to officiate us. I mean, for me, like I look at our our last New York game, like it's always you know, I'll have one foul and then the other two will be just like some crazy calls and I'm like, yo, like I feel like every time in the in the first half, I'm sitting on the bench and not on the court, and I feel like because it's the lack of consistency. Like, they literally called a foul on me for out-jumping somebody and getting the ball, and then my third foul was me pushing somebody in the back or whatever, and it's just like, there's no consistency, you know? So I feel like for us, it's really tough because we're supposed to, we're supposed to be physical in the post and make these strong moves, and then... You know, if a guard is on us now, we got to oh, be careful because it's a guard. No, we can't. Like, if they're if they coming in the post, they're going to get to work too, you know? Do you think so, it's something that the W needs to address as you guys are are increasingly more athletic, are taller, are bigger? Like, the refs, does it need to be addressed? 
I feel like, honestly and truly, I feel like our games are evolving and the referees aren't. Mm. <laughs> and so they can they can take that one how they want to take it, but like it's just I don't know. I, I feel like it's the worst officiating I've been a part of since I've been playing basketball. I feel like wow. college is better than the way they ref, honestly and truly. I really. Yeah. Dang, JJ. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's but I mean, you guys have your players' association. There was the recent news about creating the advocacy board. Like this can get addressed, though, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure it'll be addressed. And I'm not saying that these people aren't trying and that they're, you know, like they don't they don't care about the game. But I just feel like it's just, it's just really bad. There's room. Yeah, no. There's definitely yeah. room to grow for sure. Yeah. All right. So one of the other things that we had highlighted when we got you on the pod is. You know the DMV because you came through. And the DMV, definitely. we definitely put on for our own, whether it's mm-hmm. you, Marissa Coleman on the men's side, Katie, Vic, whoever. Is mm-hmm. Do you carry the same type of pride when it comes to fellow Bohemian athletes? I know that you're good friends with Buddy Hilde. DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. is a recent draft selection that made his Bohemian roots very well known. Do you all right. put on for the, tour, the 242, right? Is that what it is? <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah, the 242. Most definitely, of course. Like... You know, like, I came through the DMV, and I call the DMV home, but everybody knows when I say home, home, what I'm talking about, and that's the Bahamas. So, um, for me, of course, I'm always looking out for the Bahamas and um, looking, at, looking at the next generation of hoopers that's coming up. So, yeah, like, I got to rap for the Bahamas. Now, Mark Cuban, I think, was the first to really make a big splash in terms of this argument that American basketball is watered down and weakened. That's why we're getting what we're getting from overseas. The Bahamas is not necessarily Europe, but your Players' Tribune piece was fantastic, if I haven't said that. You talked about the sacrifices and what it takes to actually get to the gym. When you got here, and I guess through your career to this point, do you see a difference in an attitude of, I don't know, is it entitlement from American athletes, or are they not as grateful as they should be because the resources seem to come so easy? Well, I would say, yeah, I think I don't even think it's entitlement because I feel like, I've played with people that, that that have worked, but I think, I don't know, maybe a lack of appreciation, you know? Okay. Like, I think that's what it is. Like, they've they've seen it all their lives, so they don't really understand. It's just like a kid that, you know, that's born into a family that has money. They don't really, they've never seen a poor kid. You know, they've never lived a poor life before, so when they get these things for Christmas and, you know, all that stuff, their parents don't really break it down to them. They don't really have an appreciation for the for the things that they get, you know? Yeah. And so... I think that's what it is in the U.S. is like, you don't understand, like, you, like, people in the Bahamas can't get in the gym anytime they want, you know, like, like, you don't have these coaches, you know, that are investing in you and that know the game so well and that have played at professional levels, you know, and then you're not taking advantage of it. So I think that's one of the biggest things is just understanding that, yeah, you may have the resources, but it's somebody that wants to be in your position that does not have the resources. And, um, you know, you do them a disservice when you don't take full advantage of it. Got you. Got you. I, that's that's a great perspective, obviously, through your experience. So then let me ask you this, though. Are JJ and Buddy Hield equivalent to what some give credit to one Drake for the growth of Canadian basketball? Like, is there a new wave of Bahamian <laughs> athletes coming behind y'all? I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I, don't, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't go that far. I would say there's a lot of people that have come before us that have done it, but it wasn't. It wasn't, you know, social media wasn't as big as it was. So, like, I don't know, like, it just wasn't blasted as much. Like, we have people that have played at Gonzaga and have played overseas, like, you know, and played for years and have come back home and given back to their communities and stuff, too. So, um, I would say that we are 
the most notorious right now because of the social media and us playing at the highest level, but I wouldn't go as far as far as to say <laughs> that we're like the Drake of, of, of Bahamian basketball. Um, I think we got a little bit more work to do before we can take that one. Um, is it? Does it come down to a resource thing and availability? Like I, when I think of the Caribbean, I always think of dope fire track athletes first. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just because of the Olympics being the highest of the highest stages. Um, so yeah. would would there yeah. becoming a steady wave of basketball players from that area have to do with an uptick of resources? Um, I think a lot of people, honestly, I think it's more people coming to the United States, and that's one of the things that. I feel like we as a, as a nation have to get better at in terms of like just the basketball curriculum in the Bahamas and making sure that we're developing these younger players. And then also when we develop them, that we have the resources available that we can, that they can stay in the Bahamas and stay with their families and still be able to, you know, get a college scholarship and be able to get a free education and all of that stuff. Because honestly, in truly the Bahamas educational system is on par and some mm. would argue even better than the U.S. educational system. Um, and so I think basketball just needs to get there, too, where it can at least be on par where these kids don't they know they don't have to leave home because when it comes to education, they can they can go from high school in the Bahamas and college um, in the United States. But it's the basketball and being able to be seen and, you know, all of that stuff that they need, you know, that's just to be able to get to the next level. So um, I think that's what it is. I think that's the next big step for the Bahamas right now. Um, and so I would say, I would say it's the it's the trend of players moving over from the Bahamas and going to the United States that's kind of making basketball in the Bahamas better. But we need it to be the other way around, you know, in the future. Yeah, no, I totally get it. All right, JJ, we're gonna wrap this thing up because I know we got to get back to the cutest puppy in Rilo. <laughs> but before we let you go, we've seen uh-huh. an, a major uptick in the interest, sincerely, in the W this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, mm-hmm. you do you feel that or is that just me and the media observing it yeah so you know the crazy thing was i was just i came down um yesterday i actually got back from i went down to spend some time with coach rich and them because we had two days off and before i left uh night before last we were watching dave Chappelle's new uh um stand up on netflix and he was talking about the WNBA and us asking for more money and all of this stuff and i didn't like his joke because he was basically trying to clown us or whatever but I was like, the fact that Dave Chappelle is talking about this on his Netflix stand-up just shows that, you know, our voices are being heard and Uh that people understand the issues and the stuff that we're talking about. Now, he didn't sound like he understood it too much, but (laughs) the fact that he was talking about it just shows that, you know, that we're we're going in the right direction. So um, I I think it's a great thing. So you sort of stole my question because I was literally going to say, has there been a moment this season that stands out to you in terms of the growth of the women's game? I feel like that's kind of a sour (laughs) moment, though. Pardon me, say it again. I feel like that one is a little bit of a sour moment, but is that the moment where you're like, dang, we really making some waves? Um, yeah, I think that was the moment. It was a sour moment, but you know what? <laughs> I never take like I love Dave Chappelle, so I never take what he says too seriously. Like he's a comedian. He's he's paid to make people cringe and laugh and all of that stuff. So I think I think the fact that he was just he was talking about the issue on his stand up where, you know, millions of people are gonna watch it, I think I think it makes a difference and it just shows that we're, like I said before, headed in the right direction. I love it. I love it. And you, sis, are certainly headed in the right direction. Keep killing Thank it. Thank you. We'll be keeping the eyes on the sun as we approach the playoffs and then on to the championship. Let's go. Let's go. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. As always, it's a pleasure. All right, JJ, we'll catch up with you later. All right. That was dope. <laughs>
Okay, that was John Quell Jones, JJ, power forward, I guess we'll call her, for the Connecticut Sun, a team that is hoping and has a real good shot to finish their season locking up one of the first two seeds in the WNBA, which is important because one and two get a double bye. Bruce, I loved how candid she was about the difficulty right now. I mean, we're recording this pod on Tuesday, September 3rd. Hurricane Dorian is barreling down on her home nation and her family um, and what is the toll that it's kind of taken on her in the midst of what could be a championship type season. You know, when you see what kind of suffering the people in the Bahamas are going through right now, it's it's beyond extraordinary because to begin with, I mean, the Bahamas does not have the kind of infrastructure that we have here in the United States. A lot of the buildings are not as... uh, you know, hardened and substantial. I mean, obviously, it's a very modern society, but because of their location, they're right there in the middle of it. So for her to have to continue competing and stay focused, knowing that her family could be in danger and certainly plenty of friends and people that she knows, uh, it's it's got to be just an unbelievable mental challenge for her. Basketball uh, is able to be her outlet. That's something that she does very well. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. You and I were talking about it. You know, we've always we've we've always heard the expression, you know, sometimes you watch a game and you can see he's a man among boys. And sometimes when I watch JJ, I say she's a woman among girls. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think that's fair. And I think for me, it's so cool. If you guys don't have or or have not, you definitely should check out her article um, in the Players Tribune where she gives a little ode to Kawhi Leonard calling it bored woman gets paid you kind of have to have seen JJ's growth to really appreciate it which I guess is the case with any athlete once they start doing particularly well at the highest level but I remember her at Riverdale and I remember when she was an all metro selection here in the Washington area by the Washington Post and going on to Clemson and then really starting to find her groove at GW under Mike Sippis who is now at Wisconsin And then to the way her game has even evolved on the pro level, like she couldn't really shoot in college. That wasn't her thing because she was so much longer and leaner and more athletic. She didn't really need to go outside because she was so dominant on the inside. But to maintain her dominance in the pro level against women who are as big, if not bigger than her, like matching up with Elena Deladon or her teammate in Russia and Brittany Griner, like she's got a battle and she's still putting up numbers. You know, I've been really... Uh, impressed when I watch WNBA games because, I mean, it is so physical. Mm -hmm. I don't think people who don't watch the game understand just how hard these guys play against each other. And in order to play that kind of game, even though JJ's, you know, one of the bigger players in the league, she's like 6'6", 190, right? You can see that she is a mentally strong person. I know when she first came to the Sun, her first year, you know, she started a bunch of games. In fact, I think... No, I think it was her second year. She started every game. Then in her third year, they had her coming off the bench a lot. She was only, you know, she only started like half the games. And then this year, she just like busted out. I mean, I don't know if she's going to be the MVP of the league, but she leads the league in blocks. She leads the league in rebounds. She's getting buckets, like 14 points a game, which puts her probably in the top 15 in scoring. I mean, she's clearly somebody who is mentally strong, physically strong, and and she's just really scratching the surface of what she's going to be. Just scratching the surface? That's crazy. 
Well, she's like 25, right? No, yeah. I mean, she, I was you about know, to say, you're the, not your best player when you're 25. It's true. And I was just about to say that she's younger than some of the folks that we always have conversations about. Like Elena. Well, not that much younger. Although Elena, I think she was in my class. So she's 30, I believe. 30, 31, maybe somewhere in there. Griner was a year, two years. No, Griner might only be 28. But yeah, so you're right. She is younger. She's got time. To really continue to own this space, which is crazy. But I'm just, in general, so excited across the W when I watch because there's a bunch of different, really good players who are putting on for their respective universities and just the women's game in general. And so it's a beautiful time to watch it grow and the product to be, in my opinion, some of the best it's been in years. And, you know, it's it's really nice to see how a lot of the WNBA players are evolving as personalities, basketball personalities, not just, oh, you know, she she's a really great women's player. It's like, you look at, like, the Arumake sisters in mm-hmm. L.A., right? I mean, Chinay is pretty much a household name across the board in sports at this point. Della Don's been that way for a while. I know she's out on maternity leave right now, but Skylar Diggins uh, is somebody who's really, really well-known because they had such great college careers for high-profile programs. So... I feel like, really, to me, I mean, I've really sort of embraced the WNBA a number of years ago because, you know, the years I was at ESPN, we always did the games and I always tried to be knowledgeable about it. But I find my own personal interest has really ramped up a lot, probably a lot because of you and I collaborating on this show together. But the basketball's really good. The crowds are great. And, uh, the, the personalities of the players, I think that's really kind of the next step when you start seeing the, the, the players that become like real, like kind of across the board, well-known, not just in the, you know, in a limited circle. I agree with you 100%. I'm so excited that I could help you continue to grow your love of the women's game. <laughs> well, you know, living in Connecticut as I do, I mean, my mother-in-law is like the biggest UConn fan. She lives in Florida right now. She if she can't watch a game live, she'll tape every game. She never misses a game. Um, we, you know, the Yukon Huskies, I mean, in Connecticut, they're like goddesses, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, I know. Rebecca Lobo, there's like statues. There should be statues of them somewhere, right? So, but I just love basketball, right? So to me, if I'm watching basketball being well played by great players, I don't particularly care if they're men or women. Obviously, I'm a big NBA fan. But to me, the WNBA is right behind it. You know, I, I like the WNBA more than I like col- men's college hoop at this point. So so in my own mind, I mean, I'm I'm being won over big time. There you go. And that's what it's all about. I know. But I think that's important, right? People that really love the game just love the game. And so you don't necessarily need to section it off. Although I will say I went to a big three game in Miami I still struggle with that just a little bit. I don't, I'm not crazy about the big three. (laughs) It's not, I guess maybe because it's three and it's not five and I'm just wondering, is it the game distorted or are we watching an extended drill from practice? But I digress. Um, I do think the point that you made about WNBA players becoming personalities like Sue Bird, period, whether you're a WNBA fan or not, you know who she is contributes to the growth of the game. And I think you got to give a tip of the cap to some of the NBA guys who have made it a point to make sure that their fans see them supporting it and from a sincere place, not just popping up. I know recently in Phoenix, 
I don't know. If the, I don't know if the Aces were there, but Kelly Oubre, Alonzo Trier, a couple other NBA guys were just there, hanging out, watching the game. And I know when I was in Vegas, like Josh Hart was out there, Trey Young, like they come to these games when they're out there. And so I think that cross pollination is something that is just going to continue to help it grow. What's What's the expression? Game recognizes game. Yeah, come right? on, Bruce. Let's go. Right. <laughs> that is right. exactly it. Hey, so um, so it, it's funny, you know, board woman gets paid. I wonder if, if JJ uh, patterns her game a little bit after after Kawhi because she is a, a great defensive player. I mean, she is like such a presence. I don't know. I mean, if you're going to pattern your game after anybody, you know, on, on the male side, why not Kawhi, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if you want to be known as a defender. I'm trying to think of their games now in my head. I don't know if she handles the ball, obviously, out as much as Kawhi does because the women's game is still – there's a little bit more positions, I think, maybe. Well, no, that's yeah. not true. I mean, yes, but then you've got folks like Elena Del Don who clearly could be a point guard if she wanted to. JJ, to your point, at 25, she could continue to grow and be that type of really positionless problem in the league. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. In reading that Players Tribune article, which was tremendous, by the way, I mean, we totally recommend that to anybody who wants to, to know JJ's story. Um, she, was, she was talking about how, you know, when you come up in the Bahamas and you have limited resources – you really have to you have to figure things out sometimes. And I really feel like those are the players that become really, you know, mentally strong like her, because when you don't have resources, but you do have the desire, you really got to want it. Mm-hmm. And she described like when she first started playing basketball, they would nail up like some milk crate to a pole and they would shoot baskets into this square milk crate. So to me, it's like when you come up that way and you don't have it easy coming up, uh, you can solve a lot of problems on your own, like uh, amongst your teammates on the court. So when, the, when things get tight and you have a little huddle when someone goes to the foul line, I think, you know, they figure things out. I mean, it's great. You know, they have great coaches, obviously, but there's nothing like coming up through adversity to teach you how to be resourceful. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Bruce? Well said, my friend. Man, it's going to be super exciting to just watch JJ's game continue to take off. And, of course, the WNBA. But we want to make sure that we thank her for her time, for being so candid. Um, Not just about her experience with the game of basketball, but in the midst of the Bahamas and Hurricane Dorian. Um, I really appreciated that from her because I think we forget even though we're seeing more and more athletes discuss their mental well-being, sometimes we forget that it's not just the game that they have in their lives. And so thank you again to JJ and the Connecticut Sun. We certainly wish them luck in the playoffs as those will kick off next week. Um, we're thinking of those folks in the Bahamas again. We will be sure to retweet and share when JJ announces the organizations that she's going to support. We definitely are praying for safety and a rapid recovery. Thank you to my fantastic producer and loyal sidekick and women's basketball fan extraordinaire, <laughs> Bruce Bernstein, our ace right. editor, Ben Wolfen. Uh, please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. You know that I'm here with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks every Thursday um, with great guests like John Quill Jones. And then on Mondays, we've got the Mike Wise Show. And his guest this week is Dave Wall, who has been in the NBA as a player, coach, and executive for almost 50 years. Count them. 50 years equals incredible stories. Fridays, 
It's the Pure Hoops Podcast with three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. And on Wednesdays, it's Catch and Shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov. Please subscribe to them all. They're free. And please rate, review all of our shows. Please enjoy them. We do this show for you guys, so show us some love. Until next week, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 